The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, Vandach, Namtlanje, Nasi. I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same again. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Uh, just a quick reminder, uh, Faith Week from the 6th to the 12th of January. We're going to have uh, all the way from Colorado, uh, Joseph Z is going to be joining us. Uh, he's one of the you know, most accurate uh, prophets that I've ever you know, interacted with and come across. He's just an awesome, awesome uh, word-based uh, prophet. He's going to join us, and we're going to have Faith Week together. You know, some of you may ask, what is Faith Week? And you've never been to Faith Week, and you want to know more about it. Faith Week is just basically uh, uh, some time we've set aside at the beginning of the year to just inquire from the Lord, seek the Lord, and just hear from God uh, what He has in store for us for 2020. That's going to be 2020 next year. We do this every year. We've been doing it for the past uh, five years. We get together as a church, and every single night we spend some time uh, in praise, in worship, and uh, it's really uh, just uh, an, an extravagant expression of praise and worship. We get a little over the top with it. Amen. So if you, if you are not OTT, you may want to stay at home. I'm telling you the truth, because we get a little OTT with it. And the reason we do is because we're just so grateful to God for what he has done. And we're just so uh, grateful that God can speak to us. And we are full of anticipation of some good things that God will speak to us. You know, back where I grew up, they had uh, uh, two different cinemas. They had one in the Lani place. In the, you know, Lani places, people would just literally watch the movie Quiet. And then there's the one that was in the neighborhood. And, and people would watch the movie talking to the main character to make sure that he doesn't get caught. <laughs> He's behind you. He's behind you. <laughs> I mean, we would shout, amen. And so that's what we're going to come and, and just, uh, uh, God is going to give us a running commentary. Uh, because he wants to be a part of our lives. Amen? Uh, when there's danger, he's going to be screaming, there's danger, there's danger, don't go that way. Don't marry her. <laughs> Ooh, moving right along swiftly. Amen? So we're going to be listening to God about that. Amen? In fact, that's where, you know, God spoke to me really for the first time about the grace uh, in the marketplace concept. What we believe and what I believe personally is that uh, God has some things that he has anointed you for. And once you step in those things that God has anointed you for, there's no struggle in it. You know, it comes preloaded with God's grace and God's power. And all you have to do is step in it and uh, just let God do his thing. Amen. And so Faith Week is going to be awesome. We also get to fast 
uh, during faith week, and we don't do it as some religious calisthenics, some religious uh, obligation that we do uh, uh, at the beginning of the year. No, we don't. We do it uh, intentionally, and this is what we usually tell people is that fasting does not make God do anything that he doesn't want to do. Amen? Fasting does not move God. Fasting moves you into the place and into the plans that God already has in store for you uh, for 2020. So we're going to be fasting, but this is how we do it. You just don't have to fast and have a hunger strike for the entire seven days while not paying attention to God because that's not going to help you much. It's a hunger strike. It's a religious hunger strike with a nice name tag on it called fasting. What you're going to do is pick a day or two days, or three days, that you actually have time to sit down, listen to the Holy Spirit, not talk, listen and write some stuff down. And hear what he wants you to do with your year 2020. And I'm telling you, this works. It is in those meetings that God began to speak to me about the concept of grace in the marketplace, which is a, a conference that we travel all over the world, you know, a book that I wrote, and now a conference that we travel all over the world and teach people how to go into the marketplace and take advantage of God's grace. I did not know nothing about business. I didn't know nothing about grace and the marketplace. But when the Holy Spirit began to speak, and I tuned my ear to listen. I began to write things that were beyond my little peanut brain. And now I'm taking those things to empower people. Amen. Yesterday, we had a group of business people uh, from Almsbury. Uh, that's a town, I think, about 100 kilometers, uh, plus or minus, from uh, Cape Town. We had about 40 to 42 business people from you know, wine farmers to uh, engineers, construction guys, uh, miners and so on and so forth, and I got to be the one that uh, stood in front of them and ministered to them. And I almost had a, an emotional moment while I was ministering and empowering all these business people and their, their notebooks and writing down. And, you know, the Lord just took me back to where it all started. And God had to take someone from the smallest country on the continent, on the last uh, 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 if you put, look at the list of countries, right at the last uh, alphabetically, and from the smallest town in that smallest country, from the smallest neighborhood in that smallest town, from the smallest house in the smallest neighborhood. And my address was number 102, section 5. And then they were all waiting for me to say something else. There was nothing else. They didn't even take time out to name our neighborhood properly. It was just section five. We were just a statistic. Yet God can take someone who was just a statistic, who literally grew up on the wrong side of the railway line. You know, when they say you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, that's what they mean. You know, they would divide the city with railway lines, and there was the good side, and the, I was on the bad side. And, you know, these people that talk about uh, pollution and so on and so forth. Man, we literally grew up uh, breathing carbon monoxide <laughs> from the chrome mine. And we turned out all right. God is real. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's right. And if you take some time out in that beginning week of the year to listen to him, I am telling you the very things he has done with me, Amen. he will do it for you. Amen. 
Next year, we're going to be taking Grace in the Marketplace on the road to Denver, Colorado, where I'm going to be speaking to about 500 business people from all over North America. Amen. Section 5. But I just need to put a little something in my office that says, from the bottom, now we are here. Amen. Amen. And then after that, we will go to Los Angeles and do another Grace in the Marketplace with all the people that we used to watch on our black and white TV back in Bezo. Now I'm going to be empowering them. I think that's prosperity. Amen. Amen. And God wants to do that with you. God can do that with you. All we have to do is take some time out, sit down, and listen. And say, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life in 2020? And I'm telling you, in one year, God can do amazing things with your life. Amen? Well, we've been talking about uh, grace in the marketplace. Uh, no, we haven't been talking about that. The worry-free life. Man, you must forgive me. I've been preaching every single day since Thursday night. Amen? We've been talking about uh, the worry-free life. Arthur Manchis is coming on the 15th of December. Man, you don't want to miss that. It's going to be awesome. Make sure you bring some friends. Arthur has been coming for the past five years, every single year. And he's just a phenomenal minister of the gospel. He's one of the uh, tutors and lecturers at uh, Caris Bible College in Colorado. And man, you're going to love Arthur. Amen? If you don't love him, come and talk to me. We'll give you your money back. I know you're going to love it. Amen. So we've been talking about uh, the worry-free life, and we said it's not the problem-free life. Amen. Yeah. And so we read what Jesus said uh, about the worry-free life. One of the things he said uh, was, uh, be of good cheer. In this world, you will suffer persecution, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Amen. So Jesus says we in the midst of life storms, we can have some joy. We can be of good cheer. We can have some peace. And uh, we read uh, Matthew chapter number six, and Jesus began to talk to us about worry, and he introduces the sermon with some deep thoughts. I mean, he, he starts the sermon with some deep thoughts theologically, and this is what he says uh, with that concept in Matthew six, verse 24. He says, do not worry about anything. Man, that's deep. Think about that. He says, don't worry about anything. What you will eat, what you will put on, or where you will sleep. God will take care of you. He says, if you look at the birds of the air, they neither reap nor do they sow or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father looks after them. Are you not of much more worth or value than they are? And he goes on to repeat it again. He says, do not worry about anything. And so Jesus wants us to be established in a truth if we are going to live uh, the worry-free life. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. One of the truths we need to be established in is in the true nature of this heavenly father uh, towards us or to us. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 3, uh, verse 17, this is the apostle Paul praying. He prays that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. That you, he's talking about you and me, being rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the what? The love of Christ which surpasses knowledge 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So the way we're going to be filled with this peace, with this fullness of God, the way we're going to be uh, 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 insulated, if you will, uh, from worries and anxieties of life is if we have an established revelation of the true nature of God, an established revelation of who God really is, and watch this, what God thinks about you and me. Man, we need to be established in that truth of how much God loves us. Amen? Amen. And for us to do that today, we're going to start in the book of Job. Let's go to Job chapter number 1, and we're going to read from verse 6 to 12. Thank you, Jesus. Job chapter number 1 from verse 6 to 12. It says, Now there was a day when uh, the sons of God, talking about the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan came also amongst them. And the Lord said unto Satan, where are you coming from? Then Satan answered and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Last week we read First uh, Peter 5, uh, 7 onwards and the enemy is still doing the same thing. He's still wandering aimlessly. The Bible says as a roaring lion, he goes to and fro looking for someone he may devour. So he hasn't changed ever since. Amen? So he says, I've been going to and fro just wandering aimlessly. And the Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and escheweth evil, he shuns evil. Verse 9, Then Satan, or Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? See, the enemy or the devil always think that people will serve God for a motive. So he started accusing uh, Job's faithfulness to God, and he said, Does Job you know, serve you for naught or for nothing. Have you not made a hedge about him and about his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Before I even finish reading uh, this, this is just awesome to read this. That Job, the book of Job is the oldest manuscript uh, in the Bible. Not in terms of occurrence, but in terms of when it was authored, when it was written. It was written 150 years uh, before Moses was born, who was the author of the first five books of the Bible. Through the revelation uh, of the Holy Spirit, he began to write Genesis, but he only wrote it 150 years after the book of Job. The book of Job uh, was written at a time where there was no known covenant between God and man. So God had not cut uh, any known uh, covenant. Uh, so on that basis, it's, it's, it's really ridiculous for anyone to try and use uh, the book of Job as your basis uh, for a New Testament life. Because the book of Job is covenantless, if you will. And the New Testament says you and I have a better covenant. Watch this. Established on better promises. Amen. It's one of the few books in the Bible, where you, in the Old Testament, where you don't see any mention of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when the people of Israel would mention the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, and the God of Jacob, it was not just a fashion uh, tag, you know, religious tag that they used uh, to show their allegiance to someone. No, it was in specific reference to a covenant that God had cut with Abraham, with Isaac, yes. and with Jacob. Yes. 
So it would be foolish for you to say the God of Tafara Butai. Because <laughs> if you check in the records, you're not going to find any covenant that was cut between Tafara and God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It would be stupid, S-T, triple O, P-I-D, to say the God of your Papa. Amen. Because your Papa has not cut any covenant between himself and God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. When you say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was in specific reference to a covenant. That's right. And for you and me, it's the God of our Lord and Savior, yeah. Jesus the Christ. Amen. Because of the covenant that God cut with Jesus on the cross. Can I get an amen? amen. So here, the man who did not have a covenant, the Bible says he had a hedge of protection around him. And not only that, God had blessed the work of his hands. Now, if a man who did not have a covenant could walk in this promise, I can assure you God is not a respecter of persons. For those who have a better covenant established on better promises, you can be assured that not only do you also have a hedge of protection around you, it may be a fortified wall with an electrical fence. And some security guards on it. Because mine has got to be better than what Job has. Or had. Amen? If Job could walk around knowing that God has blessed the work of his hands, guess what? I have a better covenant established on better promises. I can be assured 135% that the work of my hands is blessed. Amen? Man, that's powerful. So, uh, the enemy says that in verse, verse 11. He says in verse 11, But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. So, the enemy is tempting God to get out of character. He's saying to God, you put your hand on all of his stuff. You destroy this stuff. You steal. You kill. You destroy. But how many of you know that God is not the one that steals? He's not the one that kills. He's not the one that destroys. Amen. So he's trying to tempt God to get out of character. But we know according to John 10, verse 10, who the thief is. And what he comes to do, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus flips it and he says, I came that you might have what? Life and have it how? More abundantly. So even in the book of Job, you can, your heart can be established in the faithfulness of God and in the goodness of God. Amen? And now, we get to verse 12. A lot of people get tripped up by verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. A lot of people think God is signing an approval uh, a form uh, for the, the devil uh, to plunder everything that uh, uh, Job has. No, that's not what's happening. The word behold simply means look. It, it simply means <laughs> open your peepers, chump. <laughs> not champ with an A. C-H-U-M-P. <laughs> open your eyes, dummy. 
All that he has is in your power. What God is saying is, if you open your eyes, you will be able to see that because of what Adam did in the garden, and because Jesus hasn't come to restore and reverse that, you have authority in the earth right now, and everything that is in the earth is under your authority. Before Jesus did what he did on the cross, the devil was known as the God of the world. Amen? Amen? And here, Satan didn't even know that. Sure. <laughs> See, a lot of people give the devil a, 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 a high amount of credit. Oh, man, that fool has no spiritual insight. He has no spiritual... He didn't even know that all that was in the earth was under his authority. So God is just saying to him, behold, look! So God is not setting loose the enemy on job. Can I get an amen? amen? So he says, hey, listen. The Bible actually says this if you read in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 2 of the devil. He says the devil has zero spiritual perception because if he had known or if he had knowledge, you would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But... Through his spirit, he has revealed them to us. The enemy does not have the spirit of God. Therefore, he does not have spiritual insight into spiritual truths. So he didn't know that all Job had was open for him to, you know, take advantage of. The only part of covenant we read uh, from that verse is, do not put your hand on him or do not kill him. But the other condition to that was, if you continue reading, Job's wife said to Job, curse God and die. So if he hadn't maintained his integrity, he could have died. Amen? But as we read this story, we also start to see uh, uh, and look at Job responding to all the things that began to happen to him. The Bible says, uh, after this, the enemy went and started killing. He caused a fire and burnt all of uh, uh, Job's possessions, Job's house, all of Job's uh, livestock. He killed all of Job's children and family and wives and so on and so forth. So there was a great catastrophe uh, going on in Job's life. By the way, all of Job's experience took place within nine months. Okay? I've met people who've been claiming the Job experience. <laughs> now it's been 10 years. <laughs> And Lord, I'm, you know, Pastor, I'm just having my job. No, you're not. You're not having a job experience. You may be making bad decisions, but we know for sure that it's not a job experience. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. So Job uh, started to have a, a, a worldview. That's what we want to look at today. And if you uh, go with Job's worldview, you are going to be thrust into a place of fear, worry, and, and, and just hopelessness. And, and God does not want you uh, to have Job's worldview. God wants you to have uh, a New Testament worldview of who he is. Amen? A good, good father who loves us unconditionally. So Job started to analyze this situation. And uh, he went to uh, start talking to his friends from Job chapter number one all the way to Job chapter number 37. And he said all kinds of stuff about uh, uh, God. And uh, Job uh, was a man without the Holy Spirit. Uh, Job did not get an opportunity to read Job chapter number one uh, from verse uh, seven to 12. Uh, he did not know what had transpired in the spiritual realm, unlike you and I. Amen. 
You and I have the opportunity to look at the entire story from a vantage point. And not only from a vantage point, we get the Holy Spirit to explain all these things to us. Amen. Amen. And Job did not get all of this privilege and all of this opportunity. Yet we do. And I believe because we do, we should not have the same perspective that Job had. You know, they say that depending on where you're standing, if they brought uh, an elephant to you, if they brought it real close to you, and all you can see is the belly, you may be tempted to think it's just a gray wall st standing in front of you. And if you're standing in front of the elephant, uh, you may be tempted to think, oh, there's just some plumbing going on. Uh, Amen? Amen? But when you have a vantage point view, you'll see the whole thing and you'll be able to tell that this is an elephant. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at this from Job's perspective, and we're going to look at it from God's perspective. And we're going to come up with a New Testament summation. Amen? amen. Can I get amen? amen? Job chapter number 10, verse 15. Job started analyzing everything that was going on uh, in his life, and this is what Job said. He said, if I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet will I not lift my head. I am full of confusion. Did you read that? Let's read those five words together. I am full of confusion. Notice Job didn't say I'm half full or half empty. You know, pessimist and optimist. He says I'm full of this thing. I'm full of what? Confusion. Therefore, see down mine affliction. The word I is used in the book of Job about 165 times. Uh, because Job was trying to justify himself. One of the ways the enemy can trip you up is by getting you to try and justify yourself. It is to, try, to get you to try and uh, uh, get the things of God to move because of who you are instead of getting them to work in spite of who you are. How many of you know that God heals people not because of who we are, but he heals them because of what Jesus did on the cross? And whenever you try to bring you in the picture, you're going to disqualify you. You know why? Because there's always something wrong about you. Amen. If you don't believe it, ask your wife. <laughs> Amen? There's always something wrong about you. And yet Job is trying to justify himself. He says, I, and I, and I. But he says something that's interesting, which is also accurate, uh, he says, I am a man or I am full of confusion. Question, how many of you up in here, you're trying to ask for directions to go to Matlatini from Johannesburg? Mm -hmm. You met a man outside the church as you drive out, and you say, man, I'm trying to get to Matlatini from here. How do I go there? And the man gives you a full-on detailed explanation of how you can get from here to Matlatini, and right at the end, they sign off with these words. I am full of confusion right now. How many of you would still go ahead and execute the directions by show of hands? Anybody? No takers. So Job has proclaimed that he is a man full of confusion. And here's what happens sometimes when you're full of confusion and you're, you know, busy shooting your gun. Sometimes you hit the bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes Job, in the midst of his confusion, he would hit the bullseye and say something powerful and radical like, I know my Redeemer lives. <laughs> but sometimes you'd say something crazy and stupid. <laughs> <All over. laughs> 
So when you're dealing with someone who proclaims that I'm full of confusion, you need to have some wisdom to decipher, better known as the rightly dividing the word of God so that you can take and divide the truth from the confusion. Amen. That's good. Amen. Amen. So the man just told us he's full of what? Confusion. And here's some of the things he said in his confusion. Job 13, verse 24. Thank you, Jesus. Man, this is going to establish your heart in knowing that God is a good, good father. And when you know that, (laughs) you will never, ever, ever doubt him again or doubt his ability, his faithfulness and his willingness. Amen? Amen. This is Job writing. He says, why do you hide your face and regard me as your enemy? Question, was God in Job's corner based on what we read in Job chapter number 1 from verse 8 onwards. I mean, Job, God was proud of Job. He says, if you considered my servant Job, I like Job. Job is a good man. He has chewed evil. He shuns evil. An upright man. God was in Job's corner, but from Job's perspective, when drama, when chaos, when the catastrophe hit, he looked at it as, God is my enemy. Is that a correct assessment of what was going on? Here's something else he said. Job chapter number 16, verse 9. Job says, he, capital letter H, talking about God, he tears me in his wrath. He's talking about God. Can you see how inaccurate Job's assessment of the situation was? He tears me with his wrath. He hates me. Does God hate you, Job? No, God doesn't hate you. God loves you unconditionally. Amen? I said amen. Amen. He hates me. He gnashes at me with his teeth. My adversary sharpens his gaze on me. Man, this is a terrible assessment because if you call God your enemy, if you call God your adversary, gnashing at you uh, uh, with his teeth like a bulldog, uh, man, you may as well just turn your guns in and quit on life because how are you going to beat God? How are you going to win against God? Amen? What else did he say? Let's go to Job uh, chapter number... Uh, 1 verse 21. He said all kinds of things in his confusion. And I've heard this one quoted uh, 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 at funerals. Can you imagine quoting a man who's full of confusion at funerals? Man, at funerals we need some clarity. Hallelujah. This is Job said. Uh, Job said, naked I came out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. Man, he hit the, the, the bull's eye right there. This is accurate. The, the, you came naked, you're going to go back uh, naked. But the second part of that verse, he missed it. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And then he sprinkled some religion on it. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
No, it doesn't discount the fact that he missed it. And we need to rightly divide the word. And our benchmark, our compass in this instance, man, there are plenty in the New Testament, but I just want to use John 10 verse 10. It's the thief that comes to what? Steal, to kill, and to destroy. Taking away from you, not adding to you, but God flips it and he says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And not only that, we know exactly because we read Job chapter number one, we know exactly who took away from Job. We know who took Job's wife. We know who took Job's livestock. We know who took Job's health. We know exactly who it was. It wasn't God. God was Job's friend. It was the enemy. Did you read that? So Job missed it. And he said, God has given and God has taken away. No, God didn't give and God didn't. God gave, but he didn't take away. Amen? I said Amen. Job chapter number 13, verse 15. Man, I'm telling you, if you, if you, if you understand uh, and depend on the Holy Spirit to, to explain scripture uh, to you, see, when we teach, when we preach, we're not just uh, dishing out information. There has to be an anointing in the message that bears witness uh, with your spirit. When you start depending on the Holy Spirit to show you, man, you'll see that God has been good even before the foundations of the world. A lot of people think that, you know, when Adam sinned, God became moody. <laughs> And through the entire Old Testament, God was just kind of moody, just, just moody, just a moody God. And no, 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 no. And then when Jesus came, you know, he all of a sudden became good again. No, no, no. God has been good since time immemorial. God has been good even before the foundations of the world. Even in the story of Job, you can see that God is the good guy. Amen. Even in great catastrophe, you can see that God is still good. He's a good, good father. But you have to read it with the Holy Spirit revealing these things to you. Amen? I said amen. amen. Job 13 verse 15. This is Job making an assessment in his confusion. This is what Job says. He says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Man, this sounds like an abusive relationship. <laughs> though he slay me, yet will I trust it. No, I, no, 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 no. No, you've missed the point. Amen? Though he slay me, yet will I trust uh, in him, but I will, oh, you missed it. I will maintain my own ways before him. In other words, I will maintain that I'm the innocent one in this picture, in this issue. Job missed it. Now let's look at God's worldview as we close. Job 38 from verse 1 to 2. Man, now you're going to read the book of Job and have a good time reading it. You're going to rightly divide it. You're going to enjoy reading it. Amen. You're going to see the goodness of God from Job chapter number one all the way to 42. And you're going to see that God is a good, good God. Amen. He says in Job chapter number 38 from verse one to two. Then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind. I mean, he had to come in a whirlwind. He answered him out of a whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? That's what it says in the King James. Now, let me read it in the contemporary English version. C-E-V. It says in verse 2, The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, 
Why do you talk so much when you know so little? <laughs> so God looked at Job's worldview and God made an assessment out of everything that Job had said and he came to this conclusion. There's a lot of talk, but limited knowledge. <laughs> you ain't know nothing. Amen? Amen. Now, why do religious leaders, deep theologians, take stuff from a man who knew little and try to form doctrines out of it? I don't know. I'm still trying to, you know, I'm still trying to get an answer. Job 42, verse 3. <clears throat> this is Job speaking. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Oh Lord, you have asked, who is this who talks so much and he knows very little? Therefore, I'm the one. Guilty, Lord. Job pleaded guilty to saying all kinds of crazy stuff. He says, that's me. I'm, I'm the one. Did you read that? He says, Lord, you asked, who is this that talked so much and knows very little? I put up, I'm the one guilty as charged. I'm the one that have uttered things that I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. So Job just confessed. That half the things, probably 70%, probably 75% of the things that he said were an inaccurate representation of the true nature. It was defamation of character. When Job said he gives and he takes away. It was defamation of character when Job said, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Yet I've heard some famous preachers preach it. Yet you slay me, Lord. Yet will I trust you. And the man just told you he's guilty. In fact, if you go and read Job chapter number 38, after God asked him, he started asking him some questions. He says, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I hung the earth in the orbit? Where were you, Job, when I formed the milky land? Go and read it. He started talking to Job and started giving it to him. And the Lord, Job said, you know, two chapters later, he said, you know what? My bad, Lord, my bad. I'm sorry. You know what? I, you know what? I didn't realize. I didn't realize that it was you who was in my corner. I didn't realize that it was you who was trying to help me. I didn't realize that you are the good guy in the picture. Well, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, when you realize that, you will begin to defeat worry every single day. Because you will know that your challenges are not coming from God, they're coming from the enemy. And when you know that, you will resist the devil. And the Bible says when you resist him, it's a military term, he will flee from you. There won't be any other thought at the back of your mind that says, maybe the Lord is the one that gave me this so that he, you know, he can test me. You know, in fact, I've heard Christians say, the, Lord, the, the Lord's eyes have gone throughout the whole earth and the Lord found me to be worthy to carry this burden. The Lord never said you should carry any burden. He says you should cast all your burdens on him. 
In fact, he says it like this. He says, if he gives you a burden, his burden is light. And if you look up, that word burden is not talking about luggage. He's talking about an assignment. When you take on God's assignments, they're light. They're easy. Because God has already released his grace for it. Amen? In closing, let's read James chapter number 1, 16 to 17. Have I already closed? Man, I close about seven times. In closing. <laughs> Getting ready to close. Job, James 16, James 1, 16 to 17. This is James writing. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every time you see scripture starts with these words, do not be deceived. He's getting ready to talk to you about an area of potential deception. And this is the area of potential deception. He says, verse 17, this is what we must be sober to. We must be alert to this fact that every good, someone say every good, every, every perfect, someone say every perfect. Every. Is sickness a good gift? Is poverty a good gift? No. Is stress a good gift? No. Strive a good gift? No. no, it's not. So it can't be from God. He says every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What this means is God is good and he is good all the time. God does not operate at the mercy of mood swings. God is not schizophrenic. Amen? God is good and is good all the time. And in all of Job's chaos, in all of Job's craziness, even Job's wrong perspective of God, God still restored to him. If you read Job 14, 42 verse 10, he says, and the Lord turned. The who? The Lord. Can you say the, the enemy? He says the Lord. He says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. It's the Lord that gives. He's not trying to take away from you. Did you get something out of that? Why don't you stand on your feet? We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.